si ella ahora también te podrá ver Bien sabes que lo nuestro mal acabó Y aunque no me arrepiento aún siento adentro el punzante dolor Absolutely love good food and just sharing a good meal with with um, with friends and just uh, trying different things. And I would say that I don't, I don't know if I'd call myself a foodie, but uh, just just love interesting dishes and and just uh, you know just things that are art. And uh, today I talked to uh, Joe Sanfilippo. He's a cousin of my uh, my good friend Jimmy Mano, and uh, Jimmy uh, he was on the uh, St. Louis Blues themed podcast a little little while ago and uh been to uh some of his cousins restaurants and it's really an amazing story a family um uh, brothers and sisters came over from sicily back in uh i think it was the 60s and uh, they all opened up restaurants eventually and now their children are uh, are restauranteurs and some of the uh some of the parents are still working in the restaurants it's just it's an amazing story and i was just really Really honored to speak with Joe for this episode of the podcast, and I wanted to start it out with something that was uh, just energetic. So, of course, uh, featuring Hobo Kane, Javier Mendoza as as the artist right now on the podcast, and that song was uh, from his Tinta y Papel. I'm saying that wrong. Uh, Tinta y Papel uh, Ink and Paper album, so in Spanish, and it was just, it's really cool. Uh, you know, didn't have any Italian music, and uh, but Javier is just amazing. So it has a great vibe as always. And, uh, that song is called Dime Luna. And so it's off that album. I'll, I'll put a link and you can check out Javier or Hobo on, um, on Spotify, check out his music, see him live, uh, especially it's, it's coming up. We're, we're nearing Cinco de Mayo and he's always out performing for that. Uh, if you're in Nashville, check him out there. He'll, he'll be performing in Nashville as he, as he's living there now. And, but he, he still gets back to St. Louis quite often. So it's, always good to see him and hear his great music and and just check out the musicians that are, are playing with him and you know speaking of food I talk about food and just wanting to eat great food and just eat abundance of in abundance of food and uh, you know have to restrict ourselves especially when we're dealing with pastas and things like that and that just brings up you know in a future episode um, we talking to Eric Grossman and he just you know, we, we talk about eating well uh, eating right and uh, cheating a bit and uh, but exercising and, and keeping uh, you know keeping that up and doing things that, that balance out life so just really you know just just amazing guest I've been blessed to have had some great conversations and to just to really know some amazing people in this life and um, it's you know just bringing it to you on the podcast so really really happy about that and I've been to uh, some of the family restaurants as I mentioned I go to Sapori or I did quite a bit um, back in the day and uh been to uh, San Filippo's downtown and uh, enjoyed a great meal. I was hanging out with my my friend Eric Light. You'll hear him on this episode of the podcast, and he just enjoys food. He's probably more, I would say, more of a foodie than myself. I hope it's safe to say that, but he'll correct me if I'm wrong. And Joe made us one of the signature dishes of Filippo's down in uh, Chesterfield Valley is uh, rigatoni Giuseppe, and it was just uh, just amazing to have that. Just had a nice. Uh, had a nice kick to it. It's just a you know good spicy dish, a little bit of heat, and uh, nice rich. And uh, yeah, it was just amazing. So I really enjoyed that. 
And it was just great to hang out with, with a friend and include Eric in, in the podcast and just really get down and, and get to know Joe. As always, I want to thank my sponsors, uh, Dr. Mark Holland, who's a big supporter of the show. And, uh, you know, he's he's one to eat right, but also he's uh, one to enjoy food. And we've we've had many Italian meals in the past. And I definitely want to want to meet up with, with him and, you know, some others at uh, – at Joe's restaurant and enjoy a great meal with, with some of those great friends. Mike Albashan of Premier Insurance have enjoyed many, many meals with him over the years. And if you're uh, if you're in need of some insurance quotes, looking to save some money, give Mike a call. He can uh, help you out. He'll look for competitive rates, and he may have the rates that you need. So he'll shop it to various insurance companies and let you know what's going on there. And he's a great resource. Once you buy that insurance, you have someone you can call, ask questions to, yeah, quality service. So I think there's definitely still a need for uh, working with actual people, even though we can get great services on the internet. Uh, Mike's just a great guy to talk with, and uh, I think you'll love his energy. Just uh, I always have, and there you go. Great guy. Give him a call. His uh, information is on the show page, as well as Stephen Walden, stephenwalden.com. Stephen is an amazing artist who uh, I've been honored to be friends with. He uh, He's just He's really killing it in the art world. He's he's uh, crushing it as as is a, a modern term is the current term right now. And uh, the, the coolest thing about Stephen is he uh, a lot of his work he's raising money for charity. So he's raised over hundred thousand dollars in charity over the past uh, I think it's three years uh, working with the Cardinals and other organizations, working with uh, a lot of ball players and their charities. His, uh, his art, you'll see, uh, look at his website, just how it's evolved, and just amazing, amazing renderings. So check him out. Once again, stephenwalden.com. You can find me at uh, kencalcaterra.com, as well as uh, various social media sites. Ken Calcaterra on uh, Instagram, at Ken Calcaterra on Twitter. You can also follow Joe Sanfilippo on social media as well, and I just love how he describes himself when he's discussing his use of social media on the podcast. So stay tuned for that and uh, enjoyed this conversation. As Joe was talking about food, uh, Eric and I were just, we're just, our mouths were watering. We're just ready to try some of these dishes and uh, really want to thank Joe for his hospitality and for, for the great pasta dish. And uh, I know you'll enjoy his food and you'll enjoy hearing more about him and his family. Here he is, Joe Sanfilippo on Conversations with Calcaterra. So it's nice to uh, get out of the studio and, and go on location and visit people and talk and learn things. Joe, thank you for uh, hosting us today. Oh, it's great to have you guys. And so it's really interesting. So so Jimmy Mano is uh, just a great friend of mine. I've known him for so many years. I'm starting to really see my age, how long <laughs> I've known all, all these friends. But uh, your family is really interesting. So throughout the years, I've visited the different restaurants, and we've talked about at one point putting a documentary together on the family, and it's just so many cool things. But now with this podcast format, I'm able to tell these stories with uh, less resources, so that's always nice. Tell us a little bit, how did everything start as far as you getting into the restaurant business? Um, As far as myself goes? I, well, you know, I was going to school. Dad was in the restaurant business. Uh, he worked for relatives, and then he opened his own restaurant. And so I worked for Dad, and at age 11, I was busting tables for my uncle Augustino on Olive and Fifi. It just turned out to be a, hey, it's New Year's Eve. It's busy. Can you know? Can Joe help out? And sure, why not? Well, then it became, hey, it's Tuesday, January 3rd. It's busy. Can you help out? And I was working a lot, you know, just 
you, you never say no to family. So um, then as I got older, uh, first thing I did, it uh, ended up meeting with, uh, uh, it was kind of a funny story. My sister and I were arguing about billboards and what they cost. And um, one day she was driving and she called the billboard company and this guy answers and and he says, uh, you know, I really don't know the pricing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not usually here on Saturdays. How do you know how to forward the phone? And he says, who are you? And she says, my name is Connie Sanfilippo and, and my father owns Franco's. And at the time it was in Cahokia. And he goes, we just relocated to Belleville. And he says, is that the one from Cahokia? And she goes, yeah. She goes, who's this? He goes, Charles Drury. So it was the Mr. Drury okay. from Drury Inn. Yeah. And, uh, he says, we're going to come see you. We've been looking for you. So he came over that night with Mrs. Drury and my mom and dad were in Italy and he was talking about a location in the city if we were interested. And my dad was not. I was 23 years old. Um, you know, I told Mr. Drury I was and believe it or not, we signed the papers at 24. We've been there 27 years. That's fantastic. And, and it's really interesting just this family business and how all your aunts and uncles and your father came over from Sicily and then everybody started a restaurant and now the second generation is taking over. Um, did, growing up, so your your uncle Augustino, just working for him, what, did he have his own restaurant separate from your father's? He did. He did. He and my uncle John used to, have, used to be on the hill. And then they both, after I don't know how many years, I don't know, but they ended up opening up John Minio's and he opened up Augustino's. And then my Uncle Giovanni took over that location and that's Giovanni's on the Hill. So my father worked for my Uncle John Minio for quite a while. So at the early ages, they were pawning you off to, to your uncles to, <laughs> as a little labor? Yeah. I, I, it, like I said, it started out as a favor. It's New Year's Eve. And yeah. The one thing that's a constant... Um, you know, since I was 11, it was hard to find good help then, and sure, nothing's changed. <laughs> it's just gotten worse. And I find that's interesting because you have all these um, all these family restaurants within a certain vicinity, so you think there's some, I guess, customer crossover and whatnot. Uh, but you know, at that point when things were busy, you were your dad's like, hey, John, you know, Joe will come help you out. Is that is that something your family's done? Over the years, is that like in early days? Do you still do those kind of things now, or how? how what's that? Uh, what's that look like in this day and age? Uh, I think it was then more so than now because now everybody's got jobs and roles, and you know, if we need uh, someone for sure, if someone's in dire need, but most of the time it's only in a certain scenario. But um, no, it was like I said, it was one of those things. Hey, we could use your son, and my mom was like, he's eleven. Like, who doesn't matter? <laughs> And I learned a lot, believe it or not. One reason why I'm probably so extroverted is probably because I was running around tables, busting tables, spilling coffee on customers, getting $20 bills for doing it. Um, you know, they see a little 11-year-old kid running around, they, they tip you. You know, whether I was cute or not, they thought I was. So <laughs> they were drinking, though. That's also the case. Hey, that's fantastic. <laughs> 20 bucks back in the day, was, uh, that was a lot of money. You'd be amazed how many personal tips I made. It, it just At 11, people just, here you go, here you go. I mean, I... Boy, I was raking it in at that age. Too bad I didn't get it, but mom and dad got it. <laughs> is it uh, is it expected kind of in the family that people come up in the restaurant business? Oh, I don't know if it's expected again. I think uh, it's just what we did. You know, I think the next generation now, I think um, we're all bright enough and we love what we do, but we also know how hard we work. So I think uh, I have no kids, but... I have a nephew and niece and, you know, and they're venturing out and my cousin's kids, they're venturing out and 
it's a tough uh, it's a tougher life than normal you know and you know it's in our blood we've done it forever but for the next generation it's a little tougher yeah i can understand that and but just looking at this the story of your uncles and aunts and your father coming over what year was that when they all came when they all came to the united states well everyone came at different times so my grandfather came first um and then he came with my uncle paul and then later the other relatives came I know at some point my Aunt Rose and then my Aunt Anna, my mom and dad were the last to come. So they're the ones that my brother, my sister and I were all born in Italy. And um, out of the other cousins, um, my cousin Elena, John and Rose from Augustinos, they're also born in Italy. The rest are born here. And you speak Italian as well? We all do, yeah. Yeah, cause, and, and that's an interesting part of the story. I just want to throw that out there for, for the audience. But your, your mother has not had to learn English. Uh, so she still speaks Italian, and that's the only you communicate with her in Italian solely. I'm with her all the time with doctor's appointments and everything. That's she. She can convey herself a little bit, but you know most people don't speak, you know, clearly and slower. They just kind of rattle off, and you lose her. She's out of all the sisters, she's the one who speaks the least amount, you know, because she was always around her family. My father was around, and we were we were definitely the you know the crutch. So she just never had to learn. And that's one of the reasons I constantly go back and forth on learning Italian. And I'll study, 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 and I'll be picking up the words, but then I'm not using it. And then I, it's, it's like, why did I spend all that time studying? And then when I like to start talking with somebody like yourself, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to learn Italian again. I just have to find a way to speak it more often. Well, it's something I would never want to change. I mean, I love that my siblings and I, my cousins, we can be anywhere and talk about anybody. And, you know... <laughs> It's bitten us sometimes. They've, the people around us have spoken the language. So, but overall, we've been pretty lucky. But it is, <laughs> it is, it is really a cool thing because you know we can speak in a slang and a dialect, and even if they understand Italian, they wouldn't understand us because we're very. My ears think uh, when you listen to Sopranos, or not because we're gangsters by any means, but Sopranos or Godfather, that's the dialect we have. So when they speak, that's how I hear us speaking. So the same, because the dialects change from mm -hmm. town to town. Yeah. But our dialect is very much, you know, we're not New York and the East Coast thing, but when they're speaking their Italian in The Godfather, that's how we sound. And where from Sicily did your family come from? Uh, Palermo. Yeah, that's where my mother's side, they came from Palermo. Yeah. Yeah, I have not, uh, I've not been to Palermo. I've been to Sicily and been to Italy, but... Uh, You've been to Sicily and not Palermo? Not Palermo. It was when I was in the Navy. Oh. So I went to Sigonella and Catania. And then I was shipped out, and uh, then when a good friend of mine's mother, who, who knows, friend of Paul's, Maria, Maria Grazia, I don't know if mm -hmm. you know her, Maria, Maria Hayes, mm -hmm. um, she uh, lives in Tarquinia, so I'd go visit her there, and yeah, just, just spent about a month there, and great food, and it was just a fantastic trip. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, um, you know, when I was 13, I went back for a couple of years and studied in Italy, and there's a big naval base in, uh, in Palermo. U.S. Naval Base, and uh, they actually had a, a fighter pilot crash about a mile from our our house in, in Kabashi, which is a little beach town near Palermo, and uh, it was pretty cool. It's amazing to see the U.S. Uh, at looking for the black box. It was pretty intense. No doubt. Speaking of Sopranos, you guys, your family ever have any turf wars? Anybody ever infringe on anyone's turf, or you kind of respect those boundaries? No, we have unwritten rules that we just all respect there's no we're all of, i don't think we could kill a fly let alone uh anything but no we're just all respectful of each other and you know like anybody else uh we get we all get along with christmas parties we're always together 
uh, you know, it's everybody's trying to make a living. Definitely. And that's one thing. Uh, Do you guys? Well, Jimmy at one point was uh, talking about doing the tour, like the two bringing friends and everyone together for the tour of all the restaurants. But we all know how busy he is and everything that with their kids are in every sport possible and acting and so on and so forth. I've been trying to get them on this podcast for I don't know, I think a year or so, and it's just it's it's just never happening. But I'm I'm holding out hope. Uh, but one thing we went over to Sapporo at one point and uh, had this like just. They pushed all the tables together, and it was like this big family meal. Do you guys, do you guys do anything like that in the different restaurants, or do you? Is it at homes? How do you? When do you gather, and, and how do how? What's that look like? Well, the gatherings have gotten a little fewer as we've gotten older, but uh, at homes we don't do the restaurant gig. Uh, we like to be usually in somebody's basement. Uh, I got to say, about 15 years ago, I was the first one to host the Christmas party above ground. We call it because <laughs> I just bought a house and we did it upstairs. Everybody was so excited we hadn't gone to the basement to have a party, um, and everybody just brings food. Everybody's helpful. Everybody's help. You know, it's just fun. It's just all the cousins, the aunts will dance and listen to music, and it's just a uh, it's one big happy family. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. I bet the food with everybody bringing a dish is just amazing. It's actually so good and so much that it's gross because you just overheat. <laughs> yeah. You know. You really do. You just you, you just don't know when to stop, and then when you do, you don't feel good. So, yeah, no doubt. I've been there many times, and then <laughs> uh, and then I'll jump on like a keto diet or something like that, and balance things out. Then when I get off that diet, it's back. So it's like a <laughs> roller coaster for me. And then that's one thing that uh, Jim and I were talking about with you working in a restaurant that uh, you had gotten into CrossFit, and that's how you keep thin. When when did you? At what point did you just get into CrossFit? Uh, five and a half years ago. I uh, went to a gym right day after Thanksgiving. My cousin Paulie's wife, Brandy, and I went to CrossFit Chesterfield and uh, tried it out. And she, unfortunately, was kind of far from her house, but I've been going ever since. And what, what drew you to CrossFit in particular? You know, I didn't know. I, I was a skinny guy. I lost a lot of weight. And, um, you know, just I, I needed to do something. I was running and you know, probably I wanted to gain some muscle, but yet not be huge. Um, so... Tried it, met Justin and uh, the owner, and honestly, I, I, I Tony, Paulie's brother, just joined now with me, and uh, I told him, if, I used to go two days a week, because it would take three days to recover, but anything you do, if you've never done it, you're going to be sore. Yeah, of course. Then I got the three days a week, and four days a week, and then five, and then six, so I go for an hour. It's an hour. Yeah. You're not really a gym rat. It's one hour. You meet great people. Yeah. It's a great environment, um, so it made lifelong friends. Yeah, are you in the CrossFit, Eric? I'm not, but uh, I know someone who is, and I see him. I, I manage a building in uh, Clayton, and I see him come back, and he just looks beaten up. <laughs> and uh, but he loves it too. He's really yeah. gotten into. How do you it, sit, so. how do you stay in such great shape, Eric? Who me? Yeah, you're in good uh, shape. If, if I peel off this coat, I, I've got. <laughs> I'm. It's hiding a lot. But I used to be in great shape. But I'm. I'm intrigued by CrossFit. I don't know exactly what it is. But uh, it, it looks intense, and um, it looks fun, too. Well, on Sunday, it's Bring a Friend Day. You guys should come join me sometime. Okay, yeah, yeah I'd it's, love to try that. It's functional fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you'll find, uh, you know, you'll, you'll gain some muscles, obviously, uh, but you'll get endurance, and that's what I love. So at 51 years old, um, it's fun to see, or at least for your own ego, to see someone who's 20s and you're competing with them, you know, and in your own mind. It's really not a competition, but, you know, it's kind of like people you kind of – in the back of your mind, like, I want to keep up with him, and he's about my level, my strength. And, you know, some things you have strengths in, some you won't. But mm-hmm. it, it's, it's you got to check your ego at the door, 
some girls will lift more than you, some girls will run faster than you, but at the end of the day, it's fun. And uh, like I said, a great group of people. And I think that's one thing, you know, you have to keep moving as, as you get older. If you keep moving, then you stay young versus just sitting on the couch and this and that. You stop, you know, the blood stops flowing, and then the next thing you know, we're in the ground. So it's, you know, I try to keep, keep up with yoga and then get to the gym, but I haven't tried CrossFit per se. So, yeah, I'll take you up on that offer and check it out. Well, like I said, it's an hour. You know, you go in, yeah. you stretch, you do a pre-workout, then you do the workout. The workout's going to last from five minutes to the, the main workout, what they call the uh -huh. WOD, which is workout of the day. And it can go from, you know, a three to four minute workout to 40 minutes. And you'll see what you're made up of. And you'll see that where you're, your ladder of success and you have goals. And, you know, like I said, at 51, I've done things I never thought I would. So it makes me feel good. Was it ever a problem in the restaurant business? Because all this access to food, especially all the pasta and the great bread. Jimmy said, he said, your mom's bread is just some of the best that he's ever had. Was it ever a problem just having access to all that food, getting getting heavy? Or, or were you moving so much, working all the time in the restaurant that it kind of balanced it out? Well, I can tell you, I dated a gal from like 30 to 40. And I was 155 when I met her, and I was 205 when we broke oh. up. And it's we were foodies, and you yeah. know, I just I'd come home after a Friday night, leave early, we'd have dinner, bottle of wine, dessert. We just you didn't average five pounds a day. It, I mean, five pounds a year, and yeah, you're like, yeah. next thing you know it, you're like, holy cow! <laughs> so <That> whole decade. <laughs> it really you don't realize it. That little five pounds um, a year just adds up over time. Yeah, and uh, I. Like I just want to be healthier, and it's very hard. And if I didn't do this daily, I probably would be 300 pounds because I love good food. Yeah, no doubt. And guess what? I still eat here every day, so it's not like I'm not eating here. Yeah, I'm just eating, but I'm burning some calories more so that I'm in, you know, that I'm ingesting. What's your typical dinner here? What do you have, what do you whip up? Uh, I usually eat salmon, uh, chicken, salmon fillet is my three main. I, I I go light on the pasta, so I'll do a side dish of pasta with the salmon. Um, but the mainly majority of food is uh, fish and meat, a lot of proteins. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think if you balance it out that uh, you're in good shape, you can still have pasta and not, not go crazy. But uh, what, what's, what's your specialty here at, here at the restaurant? Oh, we have everything. We're from sea bass to uh, our signature pasta would be the rigatoni Giuseppe, which is a vodka cream sauce, spicy fresh tomato. It's very, very good. It comes in a cream and white, a red sauce. Um, the veal chop, the lamb chops. Uh, it's all great. I mean, it really is. It just depends what you like. Got yeah. great, great shrimp. And what, what dish did you learn for, learn to cook from your father that you've carried over from his restaurant to yours? I mean, half the dishes are my mom's and father's, and yeah. some are my own. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, he was just, you know, the, the uh, osobuco would be something that I definitely watched dad. And, but like I said, half the dishes, if not more in the menu, are from family, and then the rest I've come up with. And, uh, you know, just... You, know, you just you pick the brain you change things sometimes you don't change anything when you do you get yelled at by mom saying change <laughs> <laughs> tastes different i'm like i forgot sorry and, and we go back at it again yeah that's interesting now was there from from your grandfather were there some some dishes that he was he in the restaurant business as well no my grandma and grandpa um uh, were not uh, my grandfather who i don't know really he didn't do anything here i think by the time he came he was retired okay. I, i'm guessing but um, I should know, but my grandmother, no, she just, 
They were both great cooks. I think yeah. my grandma cooked more than my grandfather. I just honestly don't remember him wor working as far as cooking goes. Yeah. But grandma would have to say goodnight to each and every grandchild every night. And she would call. First of all, she'd call you and she'd say, Paul, John, Frank, Carmel, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grandma. And if it was snowing, don't drive home in Italian, of course, yeah, she didn't yeah. speak English. Don't drive home. I go, Grandma, don't worry, I'm going to sleep here. I'll sleep. Because some days I did. I, we were in a Drury Inn hotel, so I would sleep there. But some days it really wasn't as bad. But my mom would call me, and I'd say no to her. So she'd have her mom call me, my grandma. And then, <laughs> and I'd, of course, pacify her and say, yeah, Grandma, I'm sleeping here. She goes, good, good. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, Grandma, I love you. And so she's, you know, the patriarch of the family. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Was there some dishes that they made in the home that the uh, that the uncles and aunts and your father brought into the restaurant? Or was it like, did everybody have like this group of recipes and they kind of adopted over or adapted over the years? I, I think a lot of the dishes we all have all based from grandma probably at some point. And then everyone has their own little flair. It's just natural, you know, you yeah. just add more wine, you add more salt, more pepper, more butter. So everybody's put their own little personal touch to it. But I mean, I'm sure a lot of them come from grandma and you know, in our background, our heritage, you know, because my mother and her sisters and, you know, my aunts and my uncle all grew up under the same household. So, I mean, obviously I wasn't there, but I'm assuming they learned a yeah. lot of their stuff from then our fathers, my father and my uncles had their own experiences. So some that just grew. Yeah, that's fantastic. Who, who does it? Do you guys ever rib each other to say who's doing a certain dish better, who cooks it better? Or is that no, like you don't have time for that. No, we're we're too, we're too close. We're, it's not a competition for us. Yeah. It's, it's always, it's it's about family love. We have great cousins, great aunt and uncles, like anybody else. Anybody can get a little you know pissy for a day, and sure. next day you're back to good. It's yeah. just we're very loyal to each other, and uh, you know, just we're a good family. We're good people. Yeah, my dad's side is is more is more chill in that regard and their uh his uh calcaterra is more northern and then you know of course my mom's family from sicily and they're a little a little more rambunctious or, or they were back in the day we'd always have the sunday meals my grandma would cook and it was always great and i i love the fact like you go over to my grandmother's house late at night and it's like oh you want to eat and then she starts cooking and and all that you bring friends over and then no matter what time she's always cooking for you so it was always you know, staple growing up that is something that I, I'll never forget. The words are manja and they don't know what enough it means. Yeah. It's like, stop. They just don't know. And they just, my mom's that way. And the sad thing is I'm my mom's son. I'm the same way. When I cook for eight people in my house, it's for 20, you know, but I'd rather have leftovers. I've been at people's homes where they, there's six of you and there's six pieces of chicken and six noodles. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I could eat all six, you know? <laughs> so we don't come from that back. Our aunts, yeah. Everything they do, my family, it's always in abundance. And Definitely. that's why Christmas and New Year's and any time we get together, it's a feeding, you know, fantasy for most. Hmm. And that's how it is. So we have my friend Ricardo Hayes, who I told you about his mother. We'd have these big, big gatherings. And whenever his mom comes in from Italy, we have these big gatherings. And there's so much food. And that's just whenever we had a party, it was like we made sure we cooked like crazy. And there was generally we'd always have some things left over even with a large group of people that's just how how crazy we were in the cooking but yeah everybody had something and i don't think anyone went home hungry by any means now, they probably should have not eaten as we talked about earlier <laughs> like, well, when you're younger too much when you're younger there's no big deal yeah. at our age now it's where it starts catching yeah. up with you now they lived in seven pines they did yeah, yeah i we I, 
we've very close friends with them. Yeah, so. it's definitely great people, and uh, yeah, just just always enjoy that interaction and all the parties and whatnot. So I'm trying to think when the last time she came in. I think it was around Thanksgiving, last Thanksgiving. So, of course, we had a, a great party, and it was just, yeah, it was at Ricardo's house. He's on the hill now. Is he? So, yeah, he's a, a close friend, his whole family. So, so we grew up, people. I grew up in Old Farm Estate, so we butted up to Seven Pines. Okay. So I would go over to her house. I'd ride my bike, which seemed like 8,000 miles. was probably about three or maybe two. Um, and so through just through the subdivision. And my mom would say, go bring this to Graziella, which was yeah. a loaf of bread. I'm like, really? Yeah. So here I am taking a bike, riding it up there, which was a long, it felt like forever. It was big, yeah. big hills. But uh, yeah, I played with their kids. I played with all of them, I'm sure. Yeah. And they yeah, like eight a, kids. They had eight kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. As uh, Dario, uh, Marco, Ricardo, uh, Fulvio. Uh, now I'm t- I mean, I love these guys. Valerio, uh, then uh, Aurora, yeah, and Claudio the, is the youngest. One daughter? Yeah, one daughter, and then her she's, boys. She the baby? Uh, she is the second youngest. Yeah, it's been a long time. I've been seeing them in whew, thirty years, if yeah. not more, forty years. Everybody's so busy, and yeah, and Ricardo still he's he's your age, and he's still like he's doing he's construction. No, he's uh, yeah, exactly. He's forty, <laughs> <laughs> but he's still man. That guy just has like no body fat because he's always it's like his mother. He's always moving, always doing something. Yeah, I gotta tell, it was always thin. Yeah. Yeah, they always said I had a face for radio, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> now you got a good look. You're keeping in shape. The CrossFit's doing you well. Thank you. Thank eating, you. eating well. Um, yeah. So then talking about the family, so it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, how many cousins now own restaurants? Um, we have quite a few. Uh, I know we have uh, Augustinos. We have Minios, John Minios, Paul Minios. We have. Cafe Bellago, Giovanni's Kitchen, Benedetto's, Sapore, Sam Filippo's, Filippo's, Palmano's. Oh, man, I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody. I hope not. I'll be in trouble. But, uh, I, think <laughs> I put you on the spot. Yeah, Somebody I think I have them all. I mean, yeah. we, have, we, have, we have one a couple in Louisville that are cousins, uh, Vincenzo's, and uh, they opened a new one. I, I, I don't know the name, unfortunately. I can't remember it. But, you have to write that down. I haven't been uh, to Louisville often, but I have some friends there. That's a fantastic. Yeah, Augustino's, fantastic Augustino's Boys opened up uh, a very uh, traditional Italian pizzeria. I mean, it's they went to Italy and studied, and I'm, it's fabulous, I'm sure. That's fantastic. When, when you were in Italy, were you studying um, cooking as well? Or I was what, going you... to school, and then a couple nights a week I was taking culinary classes. So at oh, right 13, on. they go to school six days a week in Italy, by mm-hmm. the way. It's not easy. <laughs> you get out at 1.00. But every time Saturday came around, you had Sunday back at school on Monday. It was, and plus for a guy, a kid that grew up in the states and going there and learning the proper Italian, it's not easy. I mean, I have, I'm sure I have ADD at some point. It was very hard to focus on, at a tutor and just oh, it was hard. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo he studied sculpting in Italy, so he was there for a couple of years doing that, and you see that in his work whenever he's remodeling, and it's just it's art. Yeah. It's oh yeah. Definitely art. Um, looking at what else? What else? Um, I mean, what's your favorite? What's your favorite dish as far as when you were growing up as a kid? And is it still the same the same ways today? Oh, there's so many. Honestly, uh, I would say pasta forno, which is a uh, uh, you take cauliflower and you overcook it, and you add raisins and pine nuts, and uh, and then you use a certain type of pasta and you bake it. It's phenomenal. Um, 
something called gratin, which is like you take potatoes and you cook them down and you mash them up and then you use, it's like a potato lasagna. Mm -hmm. But inside it's like you put slices of ham and meat and peas, like meat sauce and little uh, little Parmesan and then you bake it. It's, to this day, it's one of my all-time favorites. I've not, I've never had that. Oh. And I see Eric is drooling over here I on know, the microphone. Hungry. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Is that a dish that you have here at the restaurant? No, it's it's one of our family stuff that we do for fam for ourselves. Okay. And when I do, I overindulge. So lately, I've been asking mom not to make crazy stuff, and you know, it's hard to work mm -hmm. out and and you know, and not seeing a result because you've been eating mom's cooking. So yeah. I really do. I, I limit two rolls a day because mama's bread is, in my opinion, the best. And so I tell everyone two rolls a day keeps the doctor away. So it's. <laughs> little olive oil and vinegar can't you know won't kill you yeah is she still um does she still make bread every day mom unfortunately has had a setback she broke her hip six weeks ago um so right now she's in rehab and i, I gave her some ultimatums i told her if she doesn't get better soon she might lose her job so she's <laughs> she's really working hard to come back yeah she's 86 probably the most amazing woman uh that i know uh and hopefully most feel that way about their parents but um yeah, very fortunate. She's a wonderful, strong, strong lady. That's wonderful. So she's been, and Jimmy was saying that she's, up until the, you know, she broke her hip, she's, she pretty much comes in and works every day? She she would work, I think, three or four days a week downtown. And um, it's, like I said, a bigger area. She couldn't work at her own pace. And she, could, she does the salads and desserts and, um, you know, the bread and specialty. She'll... she'll you know, I, I always tell the story when I opened 27 years ago, we'd have some crazy nights, whether it's because of football or whatever. And, and my mom, I mean, she's 86, so she was 60, right? She would work her butt off. And not only at 60, at 70 and 75. Mm -hmm. And and I'd be in the office trying to organize from the day. And I've been in the kitchen cooking, talking to people, this, that, and, you know, and counting your money so you can get it, the bank set up and mm -hmm. all that. And it's the end of the night. And she'd say, did you eat? And I know that whatever I worked that day, she worked twice as hard. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'd say, don't worry about it. And within 20 minutes, I'd have food. And I'm like, it's so amazing. She just, no matter how tired, she always, people say that I'm great because I go visit her. I'm like, I could never, ever give back to mom what she's given to me and my, my brother and sister. Never. That's fantastic. Now, your brother is, he's primarily running your, your downtown location. I guess we should set up, you have two locations in your immediate family. So you have the Chesterfield lo location, which we're in now, and then you have the uh, downtown, which is uh, in the Drury Hotel building, correct? There's three Drury's downtown. We're next to the Edward Jones Dome, or whatever they call yep. that now, um, where the Rams used to play. So we're in the Drury and on Broadway, 705 North Broadway. So, you know, we have covered parking. It's safe. It's secure. It's You just pull on in, tell them you're eating at San Filippo's, take the elevator to the lobby. It's very safe, you know. So... People need to know that because they always worry about things. But knock mm -hmm. on wood, downtown's been very good to us. Yeah. Um, time has changed. Things have changed. But um, the juries have been great to work with and, you know, amazing family there also. So, And the location has, has a lot of character. It's, uh, it kind of has, a, a, to, to, in my perspective, it has a little bit of that old school feel, a little old world feel. Very old world. Where this is a, a definitely more modern, has a contemporary feel. So both both different places but both very cool so different vibes so definitely i i um 
implore the audience to you know check out both locations and see what you guys have going on it's just a nice the, the times that i've been to both restaurants it's always been a nice feel and just a great environment and i've always had a good time well thank you uh, the downtown i mean like i said it's been there we, we wanted the old world look and feel and this one was more modern and chesterfield gave us like six inches to put sam filippo's in it so we took the san out because it wasn't going to fit the letters would be invisible <laughs> yeah i would need five sets of cheaters to put on you know to see it <laughs> so we changed the name to filippo's and yeah. so with that we just figured it was more modern yeah more uh so just to kind of just the same name but just changed it just to, you know well that kind of makes it fun when you're you know you have a restaurant for that many years you want to mix it up a little bit i always i'm fortunate with what i do in in my work and with the podcast, I just, you know, it's one thing. I don't just talk to restaurant owners or or uh, artists or musicians. It just, for me, it keeps it more interesting when I just talk to great people who are passionate about what they do and then in different fields. So to me, that's exciting, and it just keeps me going and, and keeps me interested. Yeah, yeah. No, like I said, and it's been, uh, it's, it's a whole different feel in West County versus downtown, like I was telling you earlier, is that, out here, you get to know people because people live here. Downtown, most of our people were transients. They were in and out of town. Mm -hmm. I got to meet some wonderful people over the years. They still come in when they're in town for the conventions. That's but, fantastic. But it's hard to build the everyday clientele yeah. besides the lunch crowd um, because of where you're at. So a lot of travelers. And we do have our locals that would go downtown a lot. But as time has changed, the, the competition, uh, people get afraid of downtown. Things have definitely changed. Um, but now out here, it's... My God, you get to see, you know, Mark and Linda and Stephanie and Jeff and Alicia, your everyday customers. And they do. You become very close to these people. And they have met some amazing people. Um, I like to think that if we've been out here 27 years, the relationships would be just phenomenal. And they are already in six and a half years. But in 27, that would have been just. Sure. I can see where my cousins know everyone because our customers, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so. Oh, yeah, he's been coming. And I'm like, I could see that because they. They venture out. They like trying all the different restaurants because uh -huh. we all do things a little differently. Uh, they all do them great. And so, you know, different strokes for different folks. But they like making a visit and going by and saying, oh, I visit your cousins. I was there. I'm like, good. Tell them I said hi next time. Vice versa. And uh, like I said, it's all fun. And that's another thing that Jimmy was telling me. Just you guys are so close, but since you're so busy, a lot of times you don't see each other until Christmas and things like that, even though you're in the same town. And, um, I mean, it keeps it interesting. You... Uh, you have plenty of things to talk about when when you when you see them unless on social media i think in this day and age i don't know if you're on social media but i find that people know so much about the other people that they don't even make a call so eric you're not on social media are you not really no. yeah I so can't. I can't believe you haven't seen me on social. I'm like a Facebook whore. Um, <laughs> gonna, I don't, we may be linked. I, I don't think. If not, we'll have to think, do so. Yeah, I've been. I've been doing. My cousins will tell you this. I probably took the first selfie when we were like 18 years old. I would. I literally would take a camera because my cousins were not. They didn't care, and yeah. I always took pictures. I always have. You're that guy, yeah. I'm, I'm that, always. That guy in my I brought the video well. camera. Yeah. I brought. I mean, I got videos of us yeah. when we were younger. That's and, awesome. And I would flip the camera, and I'm like, I got to be in this picture because if I, I don't, you know, in those days you had to wait to get it developed to yeah, see if it was yeah. any good. Now you can at least see right away. But I would literally take several pictures, and I would turn that camera, and I was doing the selfie thing because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't be in a picture. And I'm like, I don't want pictures of just you guys. I was in the trip too, and so. Um, in fact, my cousin Carmelo, I think he had an anniversary or something, and he asked me to take the picture. He goes, 
you know, come to think of it, you've been our selfie guy forever. <laughs> and, uh, and it's true. I love it. I love it. It's memories. You can never, you can always look back and it takes you back to the moment. Definitely. And, and I'll tell you one story. I had a, these guys would come in every Wednesday downtown. And to this day, I'm great friends with these guys. And uh, Larry would bring in all his buddies every Wednesday night. And so we took a picture. And for one Christmas, I took the picture. I gave everybody a copy. And everybody framed it. And shortly after, one of them passed away. They were all so grateful because of they have a picture of that friend because of me or else they wouldn't have had it. And, um, you know, because they normally don't take pictures. And so they all have that picture and they all cherish it. Mm -hmm. And that person just died, you know, unexpectedly. And so they're, they're like, Joey, we love it. They all have it prominently displayed in their mm -hmm. home or office. So I love it. You know, people, like that's why I say Facebook core because anybody that knows me knows that I post nonstop. Yeah. Mostly restaurant stuff, but I also CrossFit stuff. I mean, sure. I, when I'm an addict, I'm an addict. And I'm, yes. you know, I love the food, love the restaurant, love my customers, and love CrossFit. So. And it's fun. It's good to express, especially when you have a business. It's important in this day and age. The social media presence is so important. Um, and that's one thing uh, you kind of get stuck. It's, it's weird with the algorithms. You kind of get the people you react to. So I may we may be connected and I'm not seeing it. But after this, if we share a few things, then it's just like, then I'll see everything. So it's I don't kinda, think we're weird how those are. We'll have to be. Yeah, you have to friend me. Yeah, definitely. Instagram and... I'm on Snapchat, but I don't know how to use it yet, so I don't touch it. Yeah, I haven't really used Snapchat. I like Instagram is great. I like Instagram. Yeah, are you are you posting like different dishes and everything on Instagram? Or how do you how are you using it? Uh, same as Facebook. I post mostly pictures of my get my customers and I yeah. and friends and then you know anything my mom and I and things that people you know maybe some care some don't but CrossFit milestones you know gotcha and um, anything to do with that but yeah, I need to do more of the food but it's hard to be on twenty four seven. Oh, no doubt. It's a job. No doubt. Yeah, it is. Social media is a, job. is a job when you're promoting podcasting or restaurants or any kind of business. Um, how long is, you know, speaking of restaurants, so we talked about uh, just th those relationships and everything. How long is how long is uh, Paul been on Olive? Because he's, he's like... Uncle I, Paul? I, yeah, Uncle Paul, Paul Mano. Oh, I, I, I mean, honestly, I couldn't guess. I mean, I, I can guess, but I, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe. I don't know. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good amount of time. Where, where was he before that? Because I met him because I've known Ricardo's family about about that time, about 20 years, uh, maybe a little less, give or take. And so, yeah, I went to Paul's restaurant with them and Paul's house and, and all that. But before that, I, I wasn't familiar. And then I didn't even connect that, that Jimmy was related. And then it, it just never clicked to me. He was at different locations. I know once he was in St. Charles, him and my Uncle John had a partnership downtown. They had a John Minio's too, and Paul was near the restaurant man now downtown. Uh, they were in St. Louis Center. It was probably the most beautiful restaurant, definitely in St. Louis. It was amazing. The architecture, the kitchen was any chef's dream, um, but it was ahead of its time. And so then I, I, like I said, then he found this location I don't, I don't know how long, but I'd, I'd say probably 15 to 20. And Paulie now runs it and does a great job and, you know, junior. Yeah. You know, so he knows he's, he could be a mayor of town. He knows a lot of people. That's fantastic. And what about, have you been to any of the other family, rest, any of the other restaurants in the in the family community, the family circle? Eric? Um, I, I don't think I have, but now that I'm introduced to yeah. them, I'm, I'm uh, excited to, to do the tour. Um, Fantastic. I added one question. Is there a level of authenticity with Italian cuisine like other cuisines? Like if you took Mexican food, there's the 
American twist on that, which is Tex-Mex, that if you talk to a Mexican, they'd say that's not Mexican food. Is, is there levels of authenticity that if you had someone of Italian heritage walk in here who maybe is well-traveled and knows what it's really supposed to be like, is there a level of authenticity that you shoot for? I think that's 100% true. Yeah, there's, I mean, perfect examples of uh, like a carbonara dish, you know, the carbonara in, in Italy doesn't have cream. It's, you know, onions, Italian bacon, pancetta, butter, you know, Parmesan cheese and raw egg. And you cook the pasta, stir, you know, saute the onions and add everything. And then at the very end, you add the raw egg. In America, we had cream, you know, and then we had the egg. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't make it bad. It's just not as, you know, and... The more northern you go up, it's got more of the French influence, so they do the more cream than our Sicilians do. Um, but in you know in Palermo, we do a lot of uh, fresh tomato and olive oil, garlic, and vegetables and fruit. And um, but um, yeah, we you definitely absolutely. So there's variations that a, an American uh, customer accepts, and it's probably acceptable to someone that is used to the strictly authentic dish it's it's a, a crossover that's acceptable yeah oh i mean of course it's acceptable it's very good it's yeah. not that it's not good it's just you know certain things are tweaked here for taste it's like anywhere else i mean you know someone said there's a small town i don't know where it was let's say it was texas they, oh they could use an italian restaurant like this there's none there's twenty-five thousand people there's a hundred thousand people yeah. and there's a reason why they're not yeah. there because they would probably not accept you, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, they're used to their, their own stuff. And when you go in with something different, they'll, I mean, they may, it doesn't mean it would never work. It just means overall there's reasons why people don't go there and sometimes. And, um, but in this case, in St. Louis, we have our own version of, you know, the Italian plus a lot of stuff we do, we bring in is the Sicilian part of it. Uh, but then it gets tweaked a little bit. Right. You know, and not everything, but some. You probably have diners who come in who might ask you to make a dish a certain way because that's how they're used to it, maybe. Absolutely. We yeah. do uh, some Sicilian dishes, very simple. It's pasta called melanjana fritte, which is you, just, you cook a fresh tomato, make a fresh tomato sauce, cook the pasta, then fry up thin strips of eggplant, which is flour, not even bread, it's just mm -hmm. flour. Fry it up, put it on the sauce, Parmesan cheese. It's some of the best pasta you ever have. But, you know, I mean, you got to like eggplant, you got to like the pasta. And if you do, it's phenomenal. And it's very, that is so, another one's uh, pasta with zucchini. And you just cook the mm. pasta, fry up zucchini and use extra virgin olive oil. And you put it to the side and you get it nice and golden brown. And then when you cook the pasta, stir in some of the pasta water, the olive oil, you just fried all that zucchini in, put it in there, all that zucchini on top, fresh ground pepper, Parmesan cheese. It is by far one of my favorite dishes ever. Mm. Oh man, you get my mouth is watering. <laughs> and like, all right, let's eat. But they're simple dishes. They're <laughs> yeah. not even, they're not even hard. I mean, you can yeah. you you can make them quick. It just you know just but they're phenomenal. They really mm -hmm. are. I mean, maybe because I grew up with them. But they yeah. are. If you like zucchini and broccoli and cod, there's so many dishes that are just so Sicilian. Yeah, that, and just yeah. get those vegetables in there and just nice clean eating. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah, one of the dishes that that I loved when I went over to Sicily when I was in the Navy was uh, I got the um, rigatoni uh, con quattro formaggio, the mm -hmm. four cheese rigatoni. And it was just, I think I, I had that every meal for a week that I was there. It was just so good. And then, of course, I think a lot of St. Louisans don't realize that the pizza in, in Italy and Sicily is, is much different than the pizza here. It's sure. not all that cheese and it's, 
you know, more tomatoes and things like that. Not the tomato sauce necessarily, but the vegetables mm-hmm. and it's wood oven pizzas. I mean, it's, it's I guess, more common nowadays. But, uh, like, when I grew up, I knew pizza's one thing, and that was the American-style pizza. Yeah, my first uh, trip to Mexico, I was... Uh... <laughs> we were at all you could, inclusive hotel, and I thought we were going to get tacos, and I was so excited, thinking I was thinking Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, I, and it was very good, but it was yeah. different than I was used to. Yeah, it was so different, and um, I just you know I was just ignorant when it came to Mexican food. I had sure. no idea. So, uh, but uh, definitely good. But you have to get used to it. Yeah. And do you have besides Italian food? Do you have, you have a favorite food, a favorite style of food, or you know I, when I go out to eat, it's either. If it's Italian, it's family. Yeah. Just because of, but I'm. Do, do make the circuit, do, do uh, pay visit. As much as we work, we miss each other because yeah. we're all closed on the same day. Yeah. Uh, but if it's uh, outside of that, I mean, I just do things that I normally don't cook. So I'll do Asian. I like sushi. I like, you know, um, I, I don't do steak. I mean, I do steak, but I do that myself. So sure. I don't go out yeah. and eat steak very often. Um, but, you know, I just, I'm easy going. I like a lot of food, yeah. but I'm not off a lot. I think that's why it's so hard sure. to answer. <laughs> I like no. cooking. I love cooking at home. Yeah. I love being home on a Sunday and entertaining. It's kind of weird, but I do. Yeah, nice. What, what, I mean, what other kind of foods do you cook? Do you do you, um, do you cook sushi or anything that, to kind of mix it up? Or are you just strictly no. Italian as far as cooking? No, I'm at home. I'm a grill guy. Okay. I love the grill. Nice. Ribs, pork, you know, I mean, anything, anything on the grill. Anything. I don't care if it's middle winter. I don't use the kitchen very often. Unless I'm having guests over, then I'll cook pasta and yeah. some things. But mostly everything is cooked outside. Very cool. Um, what else? What, any other questions that uh, anything that sparks your curiosity, Eric? Um, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. Um, yeah. Any, anything you want to add, or you want to close with anything? No, no. I just want to make sure I get a picture because this looks so cool. I feel like I, I feel like yeah. I'm on the radio when I'm not. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Uh, a couple, you know, I usually go for some like I guess maybe a few deeper questions. We'll end with that now that we've we're all hungry and we've talked about food. I think if we do that anymore, then Eric's just gonna like his head's going to explode. <laughs> um, I mean, what have through your profession? What has been the greatest lesson that you've learned just uh, doing what you've done and working in a restaurant business all these years? The greatest lesson? Yeah. What lesson in life have you learned? Uh, I mean, I don't know about the greatest lesson, but a lot of lessons are you're only as good as your last meal. You find out who truly are your friends and who are not. Um, you know, over the years, there have been people I thought were truly great friends. And if something went awry and they never came back, very sad. You realize all those years of, you know, razzing each other was just all for as long as you were... You know, it's very, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. You know, when someone doesn't come in, your first thought is, what do we do wrong? And you don't even realize they have their own problems at home or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, you're very personal. We're so involved that uh, I call my customers. I text them. They know. I've, I've texted customers. Hey, I know you're losing weight, but I haven't seen you in a while. Are you giving up Italian food or just my Italian food? <laughs> and, you know, and, and they know me. They know that's what I do. And because it's not just about the business aspect because yeah. you miss seeing them. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and like I said earlier, the only thing that hasn't changed is hard to find great help uh, out of all ages. It just, it's so hard. Definitely. Yeah, that is definitely. And I think maybe it's an Italian thing. We're such passionate people, or maybe it's just a human thing, you know, or people that are passionate and really care about what they create. So, yeah, I guess maybe creative 
type personality because cooking the dishes you do that's creative and that's an extension of yourself so i can totally see when i put out a podcast or create a video and all that it's just like a piece of my soul is in that i mean you you feel the same way with the food that you're creating oh absolutely when my brother brought it my brother met his wife in italy and when she first came here and i don't know, i think it was probably 30 years ago i made her some food and you know i was pretty proud of it you know and I said how was it and she said it was good I made it very clear to her, good is not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Good is something, it's only, how was everything? It was okay. It's not good. I, so she learned that this guy needs to hear, fantastic, it was great, because you work so hard. And, yeah. you know, and you know, that's when you know when someone's 100% happy or not. If they say it's okay, you're like, then you're trying to find out why was it okay? What yeah. happened? Was it, you know, and, and thankfully we don't hear that a lot. So, uh, but, you know, you are sensitive. We're very sensitive. Oh, restaurateurs, I know, at least the Italian restaurateurs are very sensitive uh kind caring people yeah and my my last serious question and this is one that it's i learned a lot from these and one of my guests a few episodes ago had uh had mentioned uh, journaling and he he says you know now podcasting for me is my journaling so i'm like i like that because i just don't journal enough but i enjoy talking and enjoy connecting with different people What, what is your what is your definition of success Oh, I mean, as far as overall or daily, daily success is having everyone come in, have a great night, seeing great people, making sure they leave happy. Uh, overall success is family's health and, you know, and, uh, you know, everyone that's close to me that I want them to succeed and, you know, and not feel pains that, you know, that we're all can have in our daily lives, you know, and I try to, I don't care if it's somebody I know or not, I always try to go the extra mile and open the door and, you know, because that one nice thing you say to someone you don't realize um, can really change their day and their whole outlook. And, and I've, I've experienced that a lot of times where people have sent me messages. Then I even realized and I said something that was out of the ordinary, but they really appreciated that two seconds I took to talk to them or whatever. So to me, that success is seeing people um, uh, to care about people. Yeah, and that's, that's amazing. And taking that time, we... Uh... At one point, I was traveling to agricultural videos, and we went to this little pizza place in Iowa. And it was there wasn't a lot of people there, and just uh, the owner came out and chatted with us. And I think he was owner chef, and and it just felt good. It just felt good that somebody took the time and uh, just really it increased that experience. And uh, and food was was really good as well. And we weren't expecting that sort of experience in the middle of Iowa. And uh, you know cornfields all around. Uh, follow up question to success, and then then we'll part. But um, has it changed? Has that definition changed from when you were were younger? Did you have any other expectations of what success was? Oh, I mean, heck yeah! I thought success was just money in your pocket, you know. And uh, uh, that's really not the case. You know, it's great to have, but you can't uh, qualify your life as successful just because of finances. You know, as great as that would be, and is. Uh, it helps you do things. Um, I think, uh, like I said earlier, to me, success today is different than it was then, but making people happy in every aspect, whether it's at the restaurant, not at the restaurant, complimenting someone, opening the door, helping an old lady walk across the street. Those are things that, that I find that are the, uh, the little things that, again, that can mean and change someone's day um, makes me feel good. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That just kind of fills my heart up, and it's, you know, good to look at life from that perspective. So fantastic. Thank you for 
for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, I enjoyed the conversation and look forward to sharing that with everyone. Well, thank you for having me. And hopefully we'll do this next week. It is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Chip. Thank you. Traicionado por mi traición, oye, Luna, dile de mi parte. 